Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I am, and I know Logan is too, super excited about our guest today. If our conversation in this recording is anything like what we just finished talking about before we started recording, this is going to be awesome. Um, our guest today, if, if you know Logan and myself, you may know her as the pastor's wife. <laughs> we have Allison Nolan on with us. And Allison, um, can you tell us a little bit more about you and who you are and what you do? Uh, give us a little bit of background for those that just think you may be the pastor's wife. There's so much yes. more to you, right? Yes. So I am have been a pastor's wife now for almost 25 years. And God called me into full-time Christian ministry when I was 16 years old. I knew that he was calling me to be the wife of a pastor. And so um, that has been my journey. The, the other part of that journey was God calling me to family and marriage counseling. And so my undergraduate work has been in family and marriage counseling. My graduate work has been in education. And so I'm currently in the role of a guidance counselor at a local school and love that work. Um, still do a lot of family and marriage counseling at the church for new couples getting ready to get married. Um, but mostly just supporting our church family in any way that I can. Most of the counseling now is done around the dinner table. <laughs> that's good. That, that's probably the, the most important counseling that we're called to do anyway, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I have a question for you starting off. So you work with a lot of young kids, yes. young adults who are growing. Um, they're trying to mature, right? And I'm just kind of, I'm not in that field, but I'm seeing it from afar. There seems to be a lot more uh, anxiety and, and fears, I guess, than what I remember growing up. Do you kind of see that? And how, how do you help them deal with that? Absolutely. Um, I actually referenced it Sunday in the message, I believe, where I recently read that the average student today faces anxiety to the levels that in the 1950s they would have put them in an insane asylum and labeled them as having a nervous breakdown. That's the level of anxiety that students face today. Um, we have a lot more coping mechanisms. We have a lot more information to deal with what used to would have been a, you know, a definitive diagnosis. But yes, students are faced with so much more anxiety mostly because of the information that's given to them in technology. And so um, one of the, the things to look at is in our grandparents, or I'm older than y'all, but in my grandparents' day, um, they got information several days after an event happened. So if there was an earthquake on one side of the world, it would have taken them days to get that information, possibly in the newspaper after the weekend. Um, in my parents' day, it was the 10 o'clock news. And today, it is right on your cell phone within minutes of an event happening. And so it's changed the way that we have, we don't have much time to process information. We're constantly bombarded with information. And because of the lack of time to process the information, we are stuffing it down and we're dealing with a lot more anxiety than what we had previously had to deal with at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to dive a lot deeper into the mindset because I think uh, you should have a lot of good stuff pre-recording and then on Sunday too. But any, 
any advice for mom and dad, right, that's listening to this, maybe to catch it before it gets bad, but just real quick, any, any advice for mom and dad that can help their kids with that? Okay, so there's one thing to remember, and that is that children process differently than adults do. And so do not give them or promote your feelings or put your feelings on your child because they are not going to process it the way that you do. Um, that's an unfair, that's an unfair thing to do. So just be cautious of that. Remember that they are children. They have the mind of a child and they're going to process things like the ch a child, but it may look like struggling to get them to sleep. They don't want to close their eyes. They don't want to get ready for bed because they're worried about something. Um, or they may start having headaches or stomach aches at school that show that they're struggling with some level of anxiety or fear. So the best thing to do is number one, listen, open up avenues of conversation, sit around the dinner table at night, talk about, Hey, how was your day? But ask pointed questions. How did that make you feel? What, um, what did you do in response to that? Those kinds of things. And then remember that you're helping them process it. You don't want them to process it like we would, but you know, teaching them to stand up for themselves to express in a safe way how they're feeling will go a long way. And then don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Don't ever be afraid to reach out to a Christian counselor and allow them to have another avenue to talk things out. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, really being involved, right? And, and yes. really taking notice and being aware instead of just going through life right there. Yeah. You know, my kids talked when we would get in the car on the way home from school. And so it was really important to turn the radio off and just to begin conversations about their day. And that's when all the, all the gossip of the playground would, would come out. And that's when they would really talk about it. And so I would let them talk, but then I would give my husband a little heads up and say, okay, we're going to talk about this at dinner. I want you to guide this conversation so that we touch on X, Y, and Z at the dinner table as a family. I think that's, yeah, that's really good too. I think about that is allowing them a safe space to uh, share those thoughts. If you're shunning them, they're not going to open up. Right. So, no. and it just takes one time of you saying, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And you have, forever more locked to the vault on communication. So just um, remember to keep it open. I'm sorry you felt that way. Can you tell me, you know, X, Y, Z, what happened that made you feel that way? Yeah, that's good. Uh, now I'd love for you to share some of what you shared on Sunday at our church and why on mindset, uh, you've got a background in psychology and, and mindset is key. So why is taking each thought captive so important? Well, because every why that we believe or we buy into about ourselves is rooted in what we believe about God. Okay. So we've got to train our brains to, to the truth, not only of God's word and of his scripture, we've just got to reset and redirect our thoughts constantly. And so if you are bombarded, like they say, every 30, every minute with 31 thoughts, 
what are you doing with all 31 th of those thoughts? Are they mostly positive or only, are they mostly negative? Um, because how we think shapes how we live. The Bible says real clear that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we've got to quit buying this victim mentality and realize that God has created us with not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ and his word. Mm, that's so good. 31, think about that. 31 thoughts per minute. That's crazy, Logan. <laughs> you, you just uh, kind of let them go in there. So really the importance of, you know, you talk about to your kids or when you're younger, be, pay attention to what you're watching or who you're hanging out yeah. with. Uh, it's so important. My husband always says, if you, if you lay with the pigs, you're going to, you're going to stink. You're going to smell, you're going to be muddy. You know, it's not, it only doesn't just affect what's on the outside. It affects what's on the inside. And so, you know, if you've ever thought of a song lyric and you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that's exactly what they were saying or that's what they meant. Um, but you've just put it into your, into your heart because you've let it go through your ears. Yeah. And so, it's so important. And just, you know, the enemy's strategy, the enemy's strategy is always death. It says in John 10, 10, that he comes to steal and he comes to destroy. And so steal, kill, destroy. That's his mojo. That's what he's all about. But God says, I've come that you can have life and have it abundantly. And so we've got to remember that in those 31 thoughts, the enemy is always trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's trying to give us life and make it an abundant life. And so we've got to redirect those thoughts. We've got to stop them in their tracks so that we can make sure that what's going into our heart is worth coming out of our mouth later. Mm, that's good. Um, I, I love talking about mindset stuff too. <laughs> and I do a lot of reading on that. And you've got two parts of your mind, your conscious and your subconscious. Yes. And that conscious mind, you can accept or reject any thought, right? That's right. So you're saying taking each thought captive, but the subconscious mind has no ability to reject any thought. So if you're not being aware of what's going in, it automatically kind of goes in there. And, um, apologize to hijack your thing here, but you, you triggered a thought here. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he was talking about the book screw tape letters yes. uh, by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, uh, it's kind of written from the devil's perspective, right? So and yeah. in there, there's a story about a guy, he gets this thought to kind of talk to a friend of his about Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Wormwood, which is the, the demon kind of plants in his mind. I'm hungry. I should get something to eat. And the guy kind of loses track and forgets and he goes to get something to eat. Just that simple thought. Uh, he didn't go talk to his friend. And then in the story he says, now this guy is with our father who is below. Right. So it's written from yeah. opposite perspective. So uh, just it's making those thoughts. Happen. I mean, think about the power of our thoughts. Think about how Eve thought the fruit was desirable and she bought the lie that maybe God really didn't say that. Or think about David, whose first thought was, okay, there's this pretty girl on the balcony next to me. And how those thoughts changed the trajectory of history, but yet Mary, who finds out she's pregnant and is a virgin, says, I'm a servant of God. 
And Jesus, who's on the cross, says, not my will, but yours. So their thoughts change history. And so we've got to realize that our thoughts change history as well, because our children are watching, our friends are watching, our coworkers are watching. And how we respond and how we speak can change the trajectory of, of history and can change whether they become a believer or not. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, so another question. So at, at the time of this recording, we're going through a big challenge worldwide, big crisis worldwide where we have the coronavirus going around. And there's, you're bombarded with a ton of negativity and bad news. And there's a lot of people who struggle with staying positive and they're dealing with anxiety. Um, any, any kind of thoughts or uh, ways to uplift those people that may be struggling with that right now? So for me, um, the, the thought of a worldwide pandemic was frightening. I have two children that both have immunocompromised um, systems. And so for me, it was, okay, I've got to batten down the hatches um, as a mom. I've got to protect my kids first and foremost and protect myself. And um, it became a me-centered mindset. I've got to do this to protect. And it was all dependent on me. And yet in Psalm 91 says that we don't have to fear the pestilence. And this is not the pestilence that the Israelites were facing you know, this is not the pestilence that Pharaoh, that Pharaoh was, was dealing with. It's not flies. It's not locusts, you know, and yet God protected his chosen people, the Israelites, while they watched the Egyptians struggle for days on end. And this is a, this is a disease that's supposed to end in death that God's talking about. And he uses that word pestilence twice in Psalm 91. And both times it is, for a disease that ends in death. And so I got into studying Psalm 91 and I'm talking about, I spent three weeks studying verse by verse, word by word, um, in depth. What does this mean? Because it is God's covenant promise for his people. It's not, um, it's not just praying for your, for a cure. It's promising complete prevention And the word of God never loses its power. And so the same word that Moses wrote in Psalm 91 has power for us today in 2020. And so just remembering that and quoting it and writing it on the walls of our home and um, making sure that we said it day and and night, that was a huge thing for us um, here. The other part of it is just to realize in his all of God's promises are yes and amen. God's very clear with that. And so I think the biggest thing is just to remember, number one, we are not a victim. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Number two, the weapons of our war are not against flesh and blood. It's already been won and redeemed by the cross of Christ. And so what I had to do was realize, okay, media is all about clickbait. It's all about, I've got to get more viewers. I've got to um, get more people to look and watch. And so I would notice myself, I would 
catch myself looking at a, um, an article and going, oh, well, that's not exactly what the clickbait said once I got into it. But yet I would read one and then read the other and then read the other. And I was spiraling into fear and anxiety. And so I had to look at what I was consciously, we talked about unconsciously meditating on, but what I was consciously meditating on. And I just had to stop. So I chose two websites that I would look at daily and just get the numbers. I'm a facts person. I'm not an emotions person. So I'm like, okay, here's my two sites that are going to give me the facts. I'm not going to get on Facebook. I'm not going to get on other social media that's going to divide my mind, which is what worry means. It's dividing the mind. I'm not going to get on there. I'm only going to look at those two things. And then for the rest of the time, I'm going to focus on the word. I'm going to quote Psalm 91. I'm going to get into God's word because if we don't come out of this different than what we, the way that we went into it, then shame on us. Yeah. God wants us to constantly be growing, constantly be learning. The only way to do that is to realize that in every situation we have an opportunity to bury, to bury ourselves or to grow. And so we want to grow. We want to become more like Christ. That's good. I wrote something down. You said, I thought it was really good. It said, um, we're, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. Oh, that's good. Somebody better write that down there, Logan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, talking about how the the news cycle has sped up so much versus in the fifties, uh, and before that, how much quicker information comes at us, um, how quickly we're expected to respond. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about the, the mechanisms and the difference between, um, serotonin and dopamine a little bit and, and kind of how our minds chemically work, uh, and what we can do, I guess, from a practical standpoint to fight against that. Yeah. So, so one of the things that we want to do is we want to increase the happy hormones. Okay. And that's what you're saying. You know, you can get them a lot of times there's a, there's a medication on the market that's going to be a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It's going to bring up and take down levels so that you can have a right mindset. But, and for a lot of people, they need medication because it is a true chemical issue. But for me, looking at it, when you deal with anxiety, it's really a, it's a trifecta. It's a physical problem that sometimes requires medication. It's a spiritual problem that requires prayer. And sometimes it's a mental problem that requires therapy. So it can be any of those three things, but Satan has always been about taking what was meant for good and breathing deception into it. And so his entire plan, even from the days of Adam and Eve, has been to say, did God really say this? And so it can be, it can be a chemical thing, you know, but we've got to retrain our brain to promote the positive chemicals. So um, if with social media and 
the amount of news that we're presented with and how quickly we can access some of those things. Uh, it seems like we oftentimes get that dopamine addiction of yes. uh, the notifications or whatever it may be uh, where we need to serotonin is really the, the, the happy, uh, yes. happy hormone. Happy yeah. what, what can we do to kind of break those dopamine addictions of the notifications and, uh, and those sorts of things. And the biggest thing is to have a Sabbath. We have gotten so busy and we are addicted to busyness and we're constantly moving. We're constantly going and it is hard for us to rest. And so one of the biggest lessons for me has been have a Sabbath where you turn off your social media, where you don't get your notifications. Um, my husband even had to give up his Apple watch because the notifications and go to a Garmin because the notifications were constantly redirecting his thoughts and helping him. And he couldn't even carry on a conversation with me without looking at his watch and trying to see what was going on. And so um, that was a very intentional way for him to not lose the Sabbath. But, you know, the Sabbath is a principle that God instituted in the old Testament. It, it gave us the death penalty. If we didn't observe the Sabbath, it still gives us the death penalty, but the death penalty looks a little bit different. It's fatigue, anxiety, worry, fear, and all those things that still kill and destroy our, our joy. And so practicing a Sabbath once a week, it may not be on a Sunday for you. It may be on a different day of the week, but at some point you've got to unplug and, and allow your brain to get used to being still and get used to being quiet again. Yeah, I think that's something we struggle with as uh, probably individuals and uh, as a culture, as a whole, to yes. be still. Yes. Tell you, uh, I know Logan and his industry has been super busy, but for me, during this time of quarantine, um, has really almost been like that. It's been a, a nice rest, a, kind of a needed, that didn't necessarily want uh, to have, but it, it's been really nice for me. And that's what it kind of feels like. Um, almost like a reset right there. Yes. Um, Allison, I have a question for you. So you, you talked a little bit about anxiety and, um, Sunday you shared a little bit about your history with that. But yes. for me personally, it's something that I, I, I don't struggle with. And sometimes I have a hard time relating to, um, how is there some way that I can be more, um, I guess, be more supportive and encouraging to someone that's going through that? Because a lot of times I'll just say, well, just do this or just say that. And, you know, my just isn't for them, right? Right. Uh, Correct. Can I be more supportive for them? Um, well, I think, I think one of the things um, is to remember that we are to clothe ourselves with compassion realize that everybody's struggle is different. Um, everybody's bent towards worry and fear is totally different. Everybody's the way they process things is different. And so for one, just remember 
that you're not fighting the same battle, but it doesn't diminish the battle that your partner or your friend or your coworker is, is facing. The other thing is choose words that you say. So clothe yourselves with compassion. Number two, choose the words that bring hope. And so for somebody that's dealing with anxiety and worry, there's a loss of hope. Um, and so give, choose words to give them that are going to bring hope. And the other thing is don't ever just say, I don't understand. Just talk yourself out of that irrational thought or, um, because what we don't understand is how overwhelmed their minds are and they have gone completely into fight or flight mode and they're trying, they can't just talk themselves out of a, an irrational thought. They can't just make it go away or they would have done it a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, so just remember, allow them a little bit of grace for their struggle and just speak truth to them with compassion. Mm, that's good. I like, you know, we're all fighting our own battles. <laughs> we and, are. Um, th that's really, it really is helpful because um, me trying to fix it with, well, just, you know, just change your mind. Just do that. Right. <laughs> well, and you know, it's so important that we speak life over ourselves, but we speak life over those who we're in contact with, you know, the Lord says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits in Proverbs 18, 21. And so it's important to remember that we've got to watch how we're, how we're dealing with others so that we're not derailing what God's teaching them in their mess. Wow. That's good. Um, Logan, you have any anything? Yeah, I wanted I wanted to touch on the the power of the tongue a little bit, but you you just did. Um, so is it is it fair to say that um, the power of the tongue is really the the external application of the power of thought? Absolutely, it is because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and so what's on the inside is coming out of our mouth. Um, you know, when you look at David and and Goliath. David had listened to Goliath taunt and taunt and taunt the other people and nobody stood up against the giant. But David said, I'm going to face my fear. I'm going against this giant when everybody else is running. And David says to him, Hey, you don't scare me. And that's what we have to do with our anxious thoughts. Hey, I am not afraid of you. They have no power over me. Um, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. God's given me a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And I can break down every stronghold by the power of God. And so it's super important. Paul, you know, I, I made a list of all the things that, that he endured in his, in his time. I mean, the number, uh, in his walk on this earth, he experienced, he had his life threatened in Damascus. He had his life threatened in Jerusalem. He was run out of Antioch. He was stoned at Iconium. He was stoned and left for dead in Lystra. He faced opposition and controversy. He lost his best friend and co-laborer in the gospel, Barnabas. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was cast out of Philippi. He had his life threatened again in Thessalonica. 
He was forced out of Berea. He was mocked in Athens. He was apprehended by a mob in Jerusalem. He was arrested and detained by the Romans. He was flogged. He was scourged. He was imprisoned for two years or more in Caesarea. He was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. He was snake bit. He was imprisoned in Rome and on and on and on. But yet he says in Philippians, all of this is for the joy set before me. I've endured all of this. And that's what we can say. We can endure these things knowing for the joy set before him, just like Paul, just like we can say it ourselves. He, and Christ endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's our same promise today. Um, so I, I think it's real. I think it's real important that Paul chose gratitude over victimhood he centered his thoughts on, okay, God has a purpose beyond the pain. And so one of my favorite quotes um, is, will we walk through the fire and come back fortified or falling apart? And that's, that's our choice. So in our dealings with other people, remember, iron sharpens iron. Our goal is to make uh, help other people become be better versions of themselves. Yeah, I love that. Um, it, when you uh, kind of talked about choosing gratitude, that reminded me of a uh, of a quote that I, I think it's Tony Robbins uses that it's impossible to experience gratitude and fear at the same time. Exactly. Uh, and and so I think that's. Uh, kind of a missing link for a lot of people in all of this is, um, you know, if we have that attitude of gratitude, um, mm -hmm. it's going to cut out a lot of that worry. It uh, will. I was reading um, last week, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen, and she talks about the spiral of toxic thoughts. And um, one of the things that she said that was that subjects who showed more gratitude had higher levels of activity in the hypothalamus which is the part of the brain that controls all your bodily functions, how you eat, how you drink, how you sleep, everything. And it increases the number of dopamine hits, which is what we were talking about earlier, that makes your brain happy. And so an attitude of gratitude, no matter what you're facing, I think is something that Paul did so well um, and something that we can certainly learn from because we're looking at a, 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 a pandemic but look at what all Paul faced in his, in his life. So um, it's all a matter of perspective. That's good. You, you talked about gratitude. Um, you talked about Paul uh, going through all those things for the joy set before him. And yes. I thought that was so good with, especially with what Logan was saying with gratitude. There's uh, a definition of gratitude I've come, come to really like and, See, Thanksgiving is I'm thankful for the things I've already received. And gratitude is Thanksgiving in advance. I'm thankful right. for the things yet to come. And that's exactly what you're saying Paul was saying. He could endure all things because of the joy set before him. Yeah, yes. that's really good. Um, well, any other thoughts that you have for us, Allison, uh, during this time of a challenge that would set people up to maybe, maybe think things from a positive perspective perspective or anything like that? Yes, I think um, going 
right along with what we were talking about with Paul in Philippians 1, 12, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And so for me, if I look at my long journey with anxiety, it has served to advance the gospel in the fact that it's given me a platform to talk and to understand some of the struggles that people face that other people can't understand. And so it's all a matter of choosing that perspective. Okay, God, I'm thankful that you gave me a journey with anxiety because it has brought fruit forward in the lives of other people. It's given other people hope that they too can walk through this, walk through the fire and not be burned. And so it says, as, it, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. That is and good. So we use what we're struggling with and God can just make it into something so much better and so much greater um, than what we could have ever asked for or imagined. Cause he says he works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so we've just got to remember no matter what we're struggling with, we give it to God and he will bring glory through it. That's good. Real good. Logan, you had done. Um, yes. It's just, it's really exciting to hear the um, kind of the connection between we tend to, think of thoughts as not the physical world, but hearing that connection of how it, they can literally rewire our brains um, and, and how they're responsible for the outcomes uh, in our life. So um, it, it's exciting to hear the kind of those mechanisms and an expert talk about it because um, it's a little bit more abstract um, without having somebody that's uh, that uh, a little bit better schooled on it than Corey and myself. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, God has given us everything we need. We are not um, ignorant of the devil's schemes. We know what his, what his intent is for us. And so God gave us the full armor of God. And so when he shoots the fiery arrows that are intent to cause us harm, we hold up the shield of faith and we quote the word of God. Every time Satan tempted Jesus, he quoted God's word back to him. And so that's our job in all of this, no matter what we're facing, when Satan attacks, we fight back with the word of God. Uh, what, one more thing I definitely want to touch on is something that we, we talked about earlier, just making sure that, um, that we're taking care of our heart, our mind, and our body. Can you touch on the importance of taking a holistic approach and making sure that all three of those things are trained. Absolutely. You know, I, I wish I could say that my, my struggle with anxiety has been short term, but it has been a 25 year battle of some ups and downs sometimes where I struggled and sometimes where I didn't struggle at all. Um, and, and I believe in large part that that is because I was only dealing with one aspect. So I would be dealing with the training my mind and I would give it 110% read everything I could study every scripture I could on training the mind. And then I would 
look at a spiritual aspect. Okay, God, is this because of a sin in my life? Is there anything that is keeping me from you? And so I would look at that aspect and I would just beat it down. And yet I was still standing in church on Sundays, unable to worship because I was filled with so much fear and filled with so much anxiety. And so a friend of mine, who's also a counselor looked at me and he said, you've got to, you've got to start exercising. And I thought back and, you know, I gained all this weight because I was just trying to get through every day. And I was, you know, being lazy physically, not mentally, not spiritually, but physically I was being lazy and gained all this weight. And he was like, you've got to exercise. And I was like, I can't, I cannot do that. I cannot breathe through a workout. And he's like, get in there and do it. And so I just had a two year anniversary of working out almost every day of the week. And there has been nothing, nothing that has done more for me physically, mentally, and spiritually, because I can quote scripture while I'm working out. I can pray about things while I'm riding a bike, but it took all three of those. Weight loss is just a great byproduct. Okay. But my intent was to get healthy for my kids and for my family mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so you can't do one without the other. They are the trifecta of dealing with anxiety. And the other part of that is watching what you eat. Too much sugar, too much caffeine, too much alcohol. All of those things are all going to make you sluggish and not feel like fighting the battle. And if your brain can't function at 100%, you sure can't fight the enemy because he is quick and he is, he is skilled, you know, in Psalm 91, he, it says he's a fowler. He's the fowler snare. So you think of him, he is a skilled bird hunter. He is trying to do everything he can to catch that bird. And he's doing the same thing with us and he's trying to catch our minds and he's trying to catch us unaware. And so we've got to be ahead of the game. Mm, That's good. And not only that, um, one thing that that kind of connects the dots for me on is that uh, that's obedience to being a good steward of yes. uh, of our bodies, our minds, and our souls, and and our all of our talents and resources that the Lord has given us and blessed us with. Exactly. Uh, and then in that obedience, we get rewarded with um, benefits that were either planned or byproducts. Exactly. You know, first Peter five, eight says the devil walks about like a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, which means he can't devour everyone. So our job is to be one of the ones he cannot devour. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got to realize number one, he's imitating the lion of the tribe of Judah and there is not but one, but number two, he is seeking who he can devour. And so our job is to do all that we can to make sure that we are not open to his schemes. That's true. To me, that's a powerful thought right there. Who he can devour, right? Like, am I going to be one that he can, like, am I going to let him in or am I going to stay and guard? That's good. That's real good. Um, Allison, I, 
I've really enjoyed it. I, I think it's been great. Uh, I, I think you've said some great things, some really helpful things. And uh, one of the things that I know is powerful too is being part of a community. If you're dealing with dealing with things, but also uh, we talked earlier about uh, who you surround yourself with, what, what's being poured into you. If someone does not have a church family or a community to be a part of, do you know a good one that you could recommend to them? I do. I would say welcome to Hope Church. We would love to have you, as my husband says every Sunday. Um, we are a community of broken people who serve a risen Savior, and so um, we are not perfect. Um, we don't have it all together, but man, we love Jesus, and we love um, people, and we would love to have anyone join us that doesn't have a church home. Remember that we are created for community. We were never created to live in isolation. Um, that's one of the hard things about the, the time that we're in right now is we are isolated. But um, even in isolation, we have got to seek ways to, to have community because community not only builds up the body, but it, um, it refreshes and restores our souls individually. Mm, that's good. If someone were looking for that, what would be the best way to reach out to Hope Church or get in contact with Hope Church? You can go to hopechurchtupelo.com and there's information on the website. You can contact us through that website. Um, speak with any of the pastors through their email and all the links are there for you. Okay. Thank you. Well, Allison, thank you so much for being on. Uh, thank you guys for taking a listen. We hope this has added value to you. Uh, if, if it has, rate us, uh, review it. Feel free to, to subscribe and, and share with a friend or family member. And hey, if you've got a story to share, uh, we would love to hear about it. Feel free to email us at Corey, C-O-R-Y, at Corey Lee Leadership. And we'd love to have you on, uh, uh, be able to get your story out. Logan, you care to sign us off? Yep. As we go about our weeks this week, guys, uh, remember to ask yourself, would you recommend yourself? Uh, as an employee, an employer, uh, a spouse, a partner, a son, a daughter, a parent, would you recommend yourself? And it'll change the way that you live your life. Great. Thank you, guys.